Searching for clues to discover God's mysterious plan for your family? Then don't change that dial. Join us now in our discussion of the mystery of parenthood. Here are your hosts, Trey and Stephanie Cashin. Good afternoon. It is um, just me again. Well, not just me. Me and Thaddeus. Uh, Stephanie is still on it. This is that time of year that is just super hectic at our house. Um, and so uh, you'll have to put up with me and Thaddeus for glad a to be longer. here. No, I'm glad. I'm glad that Thaddeus is here. You'll have to put up with me at least. But um, uh, let's begin with a prayer. I'm having issues with the internet and don't have that have that prayer that we usually pray. But we can. We can just uh, start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, we entrust this show to you, this time to you, and we just ask that you would please open our eyes and our heart uh, to to know your will and what you would like to be uh, spoken about here. We ask that you would please guide this show and, and what we say and what we address in a way that would allow you to speak and may... All that is said and done here bring glory to your name and good to others um, and good to all of us. And we ask that the Holy Spirit would come and join us and that Jesus would be here as well. And we pray all these things in his precious name. Amen. Amen. And Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. So we were, uh, the last the last time we were together, we were going through through the four signs of of the church and how those need to actually be attempted to be made manifest in our own families. They were, were, were meant to be signs of the domestic church. Um, I mean, we are the domestic church as the domestic church. We're meant to be signs of the church herself. And so, and so we went through, you know, those are the ones that we say every Sunday, you know, one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And last time we spent, all the show on on the unity mm-hmm. on on one. Yep. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things that they they all fold in on one another because, um, well, God is simple and and it just amazes me when you look at the four of them how each of them kind of require some of the same items, but. We're going to start with holiness. So we did the one, holiness, you know, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. We'll start with holy today because I think it's, well, it's the next one in line. That's true. <laughs> so um, with, with with regard to that, I think there, there's a quote, which I don't have. The Internet's down, or at least I'm, I'm, I'm missing it. But Pope Benedict, before he was Pope Benedict, had there's a quote that I always um love that the professor gave to us and I'll just use you know take the one sentence that that meant and he said what this world needs today is holiness not management mm. <laughs> and I, I that that was always kind of a um, and, he, and he goes on to say every every person who's ever made a significant impact in the world every great saint um, was holy first <laughs> Um, and that management was always secondary. Um, you know, if you think about like Mother Teresa, bless I'm saying Mother Teresa, um, she was always talked about. I mean, there was always people talking to her about, you know, hey, we need to change the laws and we need to we need to get this culture right. And we do. And then she said, if if I focused on that, I wouldn't have per- picked up the very first person. And I think that speaks to the fact that that sometimes we're called the the radical, the radical saints. Well, all saints are radical, meaning at the root, at the core, at the at the base of what they are is they're connected with Jesus and they recognize Jesus and the people that they meet, and in the circumstances in which they find themselves, and they are able to at least not not um, not I guess put aside the reality that there are problems that can be fixed or maybe should be fixed by politics or by whatever um, in, in the secular world. And we should do that. She's not saying that we shouldn't, nor is any saint saying that, but ultimately it's the people who go out and do what holiness requires, who do what Jesus did um, that impacts 
the world the most. Um, so any thoughts on that? That is, as we go, is I'm sure that we're going to spend some time talking about how the family is so important to cultivating holiness, teaching, uh, teaching virtues, not teaching vices, right? Discouraging well, vices, discouraging teaching vi- virtues. Yeah, and, um, and 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 again, it's it's similar. Which are yes. marks marks of holiness? Is is that fair to say? Is it fair to characterize? I would say, that so, yeah, I would I would say so. I I think that when we when we get because you know we sit there and and say um, holy, and I and I have always taken some issue with the way that we decide how somebody's holy. <laughs> Oftentimes it's somebody who prays a lot or looks very pious and certainly they can. That's not a, that's not a disqualifier if they are. It just means that sometimes I've heard people say, well, he is so holy. Well, in all the dealings that you hear of that person, I'm, I'm thinking of one, which I won't mention and it's not anybody from here. So <laughs> don't try to figure it out. But there, but the, the a particular priest who, He's so holy, but then every time you talk to him, every time you saw him interact with anybody else, he was harsh, he was mean, he was mean-spirited, he was, you know, I'm not saying he wasn't holy, and I'm not saying the personalities don't have anything, but I, but, but the mere fact that it was the fact that he prayed a lot and wore a cassock and, you know, that, that made him holy, that's not what made, made him holy. Um, what makes him holy is his connection with Christ himself in the Holy Spirit and the Trinitarian life living within that is meant to have an impact on what we do day in and day out. You know, one of my, I mean, if you look back at, at the end of the uh, Sermon on the Mount, the, the Beatitudes, you know, you'll see in Matthew five forty eight. Um, you'll see this at the end of all that he says. So he goes through, love your enemies, you know, turn the other cheek, all, you know, how to handle anger, you're the salt in life. And he ends, you know, all of that with Jesus talking to you and me. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And then that actually is a reference to Leviticus 19.2, which says, you shall be holy for I the Lord your God am holy. Holiness is something that we receive. It's not something that we necessarily do first. It's something that we are given um, from from the other, I mean, from God himself. What's important to remember here is a lot of people, St. Thomas Aquinas go to great lengths and say, this order is an order that is not something beyond us. (laughs) It is something that we are called to and that we must do everything to obey. And I think part of the example is, is he, if, if he says breathe to a human, then he will give them the lungs and the oxygen <laughs> to breathe. So if he says be perfect, he's going to give him the matter that he needs, which is our, our bodies as we live it out, and he's going to give us the grace we need to actually over, overcome that. So holiness is something we are ordered to strive for, Mm -hmm. but we got to remember that it's something that first we receive. And I think that's always the tension of being a good Catholic Christian is, is we tend to want to be work related and we should, but that always should flow from an understanding of the gift that God has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit has given us the gift of his son in order to provide us the graces we need to be able to act in a way that is more like Jesus yeah. than not, to be perfect. We strive for, perf- you know, true Christian perfection, true holiness is first a ge- rece- reception of a gift, and then it plays itself out in how we handle uh, the situation we find ourselves in. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, I would ask, is another way of approaching this idea of holiness and searching for a definition, trying to understand what it is. Is it, um, is it the measure or the, in which we follow what St. Paul prays for, which is let me, um, 
become less and Christ I, I bec- think, I, become f- to fill me. So as I as I yeah, decrease, Saint so Saint, so Christ increase. I, I think it actually leads me to what what I what I was going to say next, which is so holiness. The best definition that I've because God alone is holy. Holiness is union with God. Yeah. Okay. So. Union with his Holy Spirit, union with Jesus. What, what is it called when we go to Mass? At the height of it, we receive Holy Communion, which is union with holiness himself. And so if we think of it that way, and then we recognize that God can't be part of sinfulness, and we, and we actually back up even a little bit more, uh, St. Francis de Sales, if I'm remembering correctly, if it's him, I mean, I remember this is correct, but I mean, if it, if it was actually him that said it, talks about the oil of vainglory and the water of grace, and that they don't they don't do well together. Um, they they don't they can't intermingle. So the more that we fill ourselves with the with the oil of sin or our own glory or our own, then we limit the ability for grace to impact us. So I think it fits exactly in what you're saying. I have to decrease. My sinfulness has to decrease. I have to let go of that which I hold on to because I want to hold on to it <laughs> um, as opposed to letting it go so that he might fill me. Mother Mary, St. Saint, Saint Mary, our, our mother, Jesus' mother, um, Our Lady, is called full of grace. That's actually one of the proofs that the church uses with that understanding. That the only way you could be full of grace is to be without sin. Right. Um, it, it's actually a proof text in, in, in theologians' argument that that's exactly why we know she was without sin. It was because she was full of grace. Right. So if you think of it being this kind of tension, mortal sin would be almost— I mean, I, I've, we did it with ki- with the kids. I think this is a good— a good thing to to do. We actually to kind of show this was we took like a jar, and we didn't use oil, even though that would have been a good thing to to use. We just filled it up with with rocks and pebbles and all these uh, these other things, and showed that you can't get as much water in if that's the grace, and and that would be oftentimes venial sins. The grace is still able to pour in. A mortal sin would almost be putting something over the top of the container, even though, and to show that the grace is being poured out by God, but we're blocking off any ability to receive the grace that he wishes to give us. Because right. I think it's important to remember, it's not that God turns his back on us. <laughs> He's always calling us. He's always saying, be holy. He's always saying, right. please turn back. It's that we close him off. And the amazing thing is, you know, neither principalities nor powers nor whatever can separate us from God's love. The only thing they really, he doesn't say is I can separate myself from God. I can block off his ability to impact my life. Mm -hmm. And so I think as a, as a, you know, with the kids, it's not a bad thing. We did it. It's one of those things that we can do where you can actually show them, okay, if you have a container and you put a little, how much, you know, can you pull, put the water in then you, then you measure the water that you put in there and then you, um, it's like a little science project. You put little little pebbles in, and then even the little pebbles can fill up to some point. That blocks off and limits the amount of grace that can be poured into us and be utilized. And ultimately, we can block it off completely. But we can be so full of venial sins, even that that grace—it's not ineffectual. It's not—it's not without um, the ability to impact us. But we're limiting it because we're not opening ourselves fully to that. Yeah. So does that? It does, and and it's also uh, you can you can extend that a little bit further and say, um, God's mercy and forgiveness is not what Luther proposed, which is just taking that water with all the rocks and junk in it and putting it inside of a nice container that hides what is actually the state Absolutely. of your soul. It's actually it actually transforms that water and flushes out all that nasty junk and makes it pure again absolutely it's actually it, it's a it transforming it race rem- right and it removes it's not those. just covering the absolutely and, and i think and i think the beauty of it is is 
and I'm not really sure why, but the beauty of it is God wants us to be fully who we are. Right. And the only thing that stands between us and being fully who we are is ourselves. I mean, it's, it's, right. it's the sinfulness that gets in the way of, right. of God's will being done in our life because we choose our will over it. But it's exactly true. He transforms us when we get to heaven. I think that's the one of the that is the it's at least part of the greatest news ever. That it's not like I'm going to be covered. I'm not going to get snuck into heaven through whatever means is necessary, purgatory or whatever happens down here. What's going to happen is is I will be assuming that I utilize what God's given, which is the gift of His Son and the. And, the, and his Holy Spirit to overcome and rid myself of those things that block his grace working in my life over time, um, that I will enter heaven as myself, my very person. The, 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 the reality of who I was meant to be perfected. will be perfected. That's why, you know, St. Teresa of Avila, I mean, one of her famous books is on Christian perfection. The way of perfection. The way of perfection. And so it's not perfection like, you know, I've, I'm, I know a few perfectionists, <laughs> but uh, I won't name them. But uh, they're not here, though. But, uh, <laughs> but, but she's... Somebody's ears are burning she's somewhere. Bringing, uh, yeah, she's... She, but, but what I'm saying is, is it's not that type of perfection. The perfection is, is the fullness of who we're meant to be is impacted. God's grace is efficacious. Yeah. God's grace does what it says it can do. The only thing that limits it is our do or our allowing it, our yes. Right. What does Mary show us? It, it, when you say, thy will be done, when you say, be it done unto me according to thy word, when you say those prayers and you mean it, that's allowing God's work. Right. And I be- guess that gets back to also how, it's transforming of our souls, and so then that's why it has to be transforming of our lives. Absolutely. Right? It can't be inert. Right, and, and that's another extra. So, so the first point about so the, the, moral life, the moral life matters. Right, well, because matter matters. Right. I mean, that, that's the, that is, again, one of my professors said that to be Catholic is to be punchable, and what he meant was is that you're, we take seriously— what it means to be human and to be human in its fullness is to be a body soul composite, to be one being not, not a, my soul's over here and my body's over there. That's what happened because of sin. <laughs> that, that's what death is. The wages of sin as St. Paul says, death is the separation right. of our intellect and our will from the matter that's, that's done. Jesus during this Easter season reminds us that those two are meant to be together. And in fact, at the resurrection, at the final coming, we will be reunited with our matter. With So we're meant to be bodily creatures. The reason that we end up being spiritual and we can bury a body is because of sin. Sin separates that. So what you're saying is, is that if, it, if your soul is transformed, if your soul is transformed, then necessarily the fruit of that would be some transformation in your actions because they're connected. There's a unity of body and soul. And so, you know, it's... And therefore, if, you're, if your soul is being transformed by a personal relationship with Christ or a personal encounter with the risen Lord right or his word through the scriptures and the Holy Spirit your matter is your matter should be transformed too right it's being it's being it's being trans it's being transformed now you know for us for all of us and this gets us to so holiness one is we need to recognize it's a gift where do we receive that gift we receive the gift in the sacraments um we receive the gift of God himself in the mass. Um, With regard to this, you know, all the sacraments would fit there, but with regard to emptying ourselves of the sinfulness, it would make sense that we would spend a good deal of time talking about with our children and, and, and emphasizing the importance of regular, regularly 
frequenting uh, reconciliation and penance, the sacrament of confession, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because that idea, and we should talk to them about about what's happening, mm-hmm. because what's happening is is the one thing that blocks us. And I, I, I highly encourage you, particularly if they're younger, to do something visual that that shows if you fill it up with one thing, you can't fill it up with something else. And that the, the constant battle is our freely emptying it. Because when we go to confession, Jesus is the one emptying it. But we have to go and say, you know what? I want to be empty to this. I, I, right. I don't want this in me anymore. And we have to trust in God's mercy to actually go do the heavy lifting if necessary to try to root it out. But we also got to remember that we may fall again and we can never despair. This is, during Divine Mercy Sunday and during all that, I mean, I hope if you didn't do it this year, I think it's really important um, for, for next year's every year around Easter, prior to Easter from Good Friday going forward, do take some time to read and even find excerpts from, from St. Faustina, from her diaries. Um, there's so many things in there that kids can grasp. My father, when, when um, I don't remember if it was Trevor or Madison was receiving their first, their first, they're going through their first uh, confession. He just pulled a quote talking uh, that St. Faustina was, was relaying that Jesus had said, when you're talking to the priest in confession, you are talking to me. Those are my words. When I, when he, when the priest says in his words, I absolve you, it's really me. And says you need to make sure that you're recognizing that that's really him. And that helped with my, with my kids. And, I, and so take time to familiarize yourself with divine mercy and the fact that God never wants to turn away from us. I mean, that's the, that's the devil's lie. I mean, it really is. And, and I think it stems from, as parents, I mean, I know both as a child growing up and as a parent, there, I catch myself both remembering as a child and, and as a parent executing it, that there's a temptation to make a child feel like oh, you've really done something to damage this you know, relationship. And there's nothing wrong with communicating <laughs> that the relationship is based on trust. And if you do something against me or you do some sort of lie that, that they, that they need to understand that it is serious, but they should always understand that there's never something that completely separates you from that. The only thing that can completely separate you child from me, father is for you to just turn and completely walk away. The child, the, the child, child the child completely walk away. Walk away. Yeah. So there's always got to be a sense as a parent, as you discipline right. a child, that they understand that really the only thing that's required is to meaningfully and sincerely and with the fullness of your being turned back around and say, I've sinned against you. Get up out of that pigsty and say, right. I got to go home. I got to go home. Terrible. Right. That's the only thing that keeps, oh, right. it's the only thing that keeps anybody from receiving forgiveness. God's mercy is so beyond anything that we can fathom. He is so ready to forgive even the worst of crimes more than we could ever even fathom. Right. We've got to at least give our children glimpses of that. Right. Right. And so we try to say, there's nothing you can do. Doesn't mean I won't be disappointed. (laughs) Doesn't mean I might not even be angry initially, Mm -hmm. but you can always turn back to me. You Mm -hmm. can always, talk to me. Mm-hmm. I will, I will never desert you completely. Right. I may demand just like God demands. Okay. To come back, you've got to let go of what you did before. I mean, if you like the pig's food and that, I mean, Can't do I'm not going to make you, I'm not going to make you, but, but you sure as heck, when I come back, I'm not going to stick you in the pig, pigsty here. I'm going to give you a ring and I'm going to give you clothes. I mean, I'm going to give you the things that make you a son mm-hmm. and, that's the tremendous, almost radical, um, well, not almost radical, truly radical way. I mean, the prodigal, as I understand, you know, I've never heard this before, and I might have mentioned it bef- before, but when you define prodigal, as I understand, it's just extravagant, right? So the prodigal son is the one that, that takes everything and then just Blows wastes it. it. Yeah. 
I, I heard I had a, actually a child saying that I found that actually it was something that had, had been taught before, but I had a young guy in a Bible study that we were talking with, and he said, you know who I think is prodigal is the dadgum dad, because I'd kick his tail. <laughs> you know, I would, I would not respond. I mean, he is radically just, all you had right. to do is turn around, and now I'm giving you everything. I'm running out to meet you. I'm running out to meet you. you I mean, just show me that you want to turn around, right. and I'll come and get you. Right. You know, I know you say I'm not worthy and all that, but hey, forget that. Here's the ring. Here's the clothes. Here's everything. You are my son. And I mean, that's the, the whole prodigal son always strikes me because the son that's back at home, I think every one of us has that in us because we get, well, wait a second. I was always been doing what I've was supposed to be doing and you're just going to treat him just like me maybe even better and there's a bit of that in us that we have to be able to recognize that that because we tend to be or we at least have a part of us i don't know about you thaddeus but i mean I, sometimes i can relate to that guy oh definitely <laughs> that this 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 saying hey i mean like you know every day of my life right and but what i'm saying is is that as parents, when we discipline, we should be thinking about what we really want is what God really wants is a, is a turnaround. <laughs> so we, whatever we do is meant to be for conversion. Right. If we're, if we're going to draw people to holiness, then we've got to let them understand that they've got to let go of those things that are standing between them becoming who they were meant to be. Same for us. So we always link them with, okay, so confession. This is what confession does. It removes us of those to the sense that we turn around, name them, claim them, say, Lord, I want to, I want to change that, and then allow God's grace to come in and, and impact us. Yeah. Well, for us as parents, I think the other side is, is we need to let them know that, that all the things that get in the way of you being virtuous, too much on the phone, too much, those are all little pebbles that go, get in the way of you being fully who you're meant to be. Right. Um, and so we just got to help make those connections and then remember any, you know, I've always said we, we use the idea of being after the heart of the child. I think it is so important for us to remember that the, that the beginning of everything and the reason that you do anything, punishment, consequences, is for one purpose and one purpose only, conversion. It's not, not retribution. It's <laughs> I mean, we live in a society now, and I think it's, you know, as they get older to talk about this, where the death penalty is looked as revenge, retribution. If you hear people talking about it, I just, you know, that was never what was intended years ago. That's why the church hasn't always been against the death penalty, as long as it's understood that that was meant for a person to have a conversion, to be confronted with death. And to be treated in such a way is to say, you really need to turn around. And I would not recommend this for anybody to just watch it, but Dead Man Walking, the story itself, well, the crime's heinous, awful, and I wouldn't watch it with just anybody. But I do love the movie because of what it teaches about how do you show the mercy of God to another person? When they're least lovable, when they're unlovable, do you love them still? Do you still propose to them? The answer is just turn around. That's why the whole theme of that movie. Have you ever seen it, Thaddeus? I have not. I'd be very. I mean, there's just there's some awful crime committed in it. It's a true story. Yeah. But but it's about a, a guy who says I did not kill these people. Um, and there's a nun who goes Sister and Prejean? Prejean, she's actually been here at St. Mary's who actually goes and meets with him, even at, you know, people calling her names because you're, how can you do that to somebody yeah. uh, that's done such a heinous thing? He's denying it. Her whole purpose, the whole show is trying to get him to actually admit that he had done it to just, yeah. Turn yeah. and say, stop denying it, yeah. admit it, and then ask for forgiveness. Yeah. And the beauty, I don't know if I, the way the movie ends is you, you actually 
because there's some doubt if you're watching the movie. These are all teasers. I'm not recommending that you watch it, but if you ever get a chance to, and you know that the the crime is heinous, so just you know, it's not something you want to watch. But at the end, the the crime itself. But at the end, that's exactly what he does right before he he finally admits it, and and right before he gets executed. Mm-hmm. I I have a I have a child. Um, who struggles so mightily with admission oh, absolutely. of guilt that the child will physically rock back and forth, shake, um, have there, – there are physical signs of absolutely. that war going on inside their soul yeah. to make the words come up out of the throat absolutely. and through the lips and actually said to say that they're, what they did was wrong – and we, we're in a place right now where we're spending a lot of time trying to explain to this child that if you if you don't if you don't say it, you're just going to carry that around right. in here with you, and and anything that we try to any kind of forgiveness or counsel we try to give you as parents, it's not going to penetrate it. You're because you're, you're going to yeah. still be in. That's a great Guilt, point. denial mode, uh, pride mode, chiefly of all, and you're not going to let any kind of transformative relationship and right. encounter happen. I mean, we don't use we we don't use those no, kind of use high level. Words. A couple of things that are I think really help them understand. I, I um, a couple of things that are I think really cool about that are that that if you have kids that struggle with anything, particularly when they're younger. Yeah, we had one that was self control with actually saying, Okay, you've got to sit here and you can't mm-hmm. you know, we used to put we used to say get in self control, which can't was actually with something. We get in self control and we would tell them that to get in self control and you'd put put your hands together and sit still. Well you know, he literally would the the I mean it was like a tremor, you know, because mm-hmm. he was mm-hmm. <laughs> that shows you the connection between the soul body and soul and body and soul. It shows the struggle that is really going on. And if we're all honest, we all have a bit of that ourselves. I mean, who doesn't at least flinch a little bit when they go to confession? Mm-hmm. See, here's the issue is if you, as you work with it, if it becomes a habit that ultimately we know even if we can't do it right now, or even if we're really struggling with it, that we know that the answer is we really need to do this. We need to let go of this. We need to say, I'm, I'm sorry. We need to say, I did this. It was wrong. It hurt you. And I, and will you please forgive me? Right. We need to go through that, name it, claim it and, and, and beg for forgiveness. Right. What happens is, is over time, (laughs) over time, it becomes easier as long as you stay in the habit of doing it. That's right. why the church asks you to go at least once a year to confession. That's why a monthly confession or at least a quarterly confession is probably a good thing because you don't, the more you hold on to it, like you just said, this is a, this is real parenting, but it's exactly what we go through with sin. The more you hang on to it, the harder it is to let go of it. The more you say it's is mine, even mm-hmm. if I'm miserable, mm-hmm. I'm going to stay holding on to it. That's why going to a, a relatively frequent confession and then having them experience in the confession what that's like, because I don't, I've not ever had a kid who has done it honestly that hasn't come out and said, I'm glad I did it. But if you wait six months or a year or two years or three years, that becomes a more difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. So I'd encourage you to, you know, you've got to talk them through it. The catechism is beautiful. Talking about parents. I don't, I don't have it with me, but it's in the 2200s. But, but the, the idea of, and I found this to be true. When you make a mistake as a parent, when you do something either to your kids or in a way that your kids saw you do something that you shouldn't have done. I mean, for me, it's losing my temper. For for me, it's mishandling a problem by the way I handled somebody who's done something wrong, but I overreacted. That's that's what it is. 
if we as parents give the example of and then even talk through, that's hard. But the only way that I can actually be real with you is to say, I shouldn't have handled it that way. I did this, this, and this. Name it. Explain it. This is not what a father should do in that circumstance. And then, and then ask for their forgiveness. Now, most kids will, most of my kids will always say, it's okay, dad. I'm like, no, it's okay. It's not okay. That's what I just said. It's not okay. I need you to please, if it's in your heart to forgive me for the way I handled that. I need to hear you say for myself, not for you. Right. Will you please forgive me? Right. What I found is, and the catechism does talk about how the parent, when a parent does that, they teach their child. I have found that the older they get, when they do something that they shouldn't do and they become aware of it, and I may point it out, and they don't want to say they're sorry, I have found that quickly, as they've gotten older, they will do exactly what I've done in those circumstances. They will come out and say, what I did was wrong. Here's what I did. I shouldn't have done that. It hurt you this way. Will you please forgive me? And the older they get, the more, well, what does that happen? What has that happen? It happens over, it happens over time. But more importantly, it happens when they see you do it. And that when you articulate to them, the reason I'm doing this is because it's true, is because I need to change what I'm doing and I need to gain your forgiveness to restore the relationship. So lots of times we can impose that on our kids, but if they haven't seen you be an example of it, then it's going to be hard for them. <laughs> it's going to be hard for them, which is why I think as you know, if you look at the church, you know, Pope Francis has made it very clear and evident that he is go, goes to confession. You see him. Pope Benedict, Pope John Paul II, all of them in this day and age show that they go to confession. So that's it. Did you? Did you? I have not been able okay. to locate it yet. I'm well, sure. I'll look, but but I I have it. I, so I another co- a, some an, a thought related to that is I I think it's, this isn't in the confessional. I don't believe, but or it's not in the catechism. I don't believe, but I think it's it's encouraged of you that when you go to confession, you go in and don't don't treat it like a therapy session or a counseling session. Come in there and and say, like you're saying, name it, claim it, and ask yeah. for forgiveness. Because, because we see this with with our this this child also. Well, all of our children really, and right. we God knows we do it as adults too. Yes, but right. it's so much more blatant with children sometimes. Is the rationalization, the trying to explain away what I did that I did this, but there were these circumstances that are why I did what I did, or this other person is really responsible for why I did what I did. And you don't want to go into the confessional and fall into that. So just go in and say, this is my sin. I did this wrong. Right. I think it's a great point. There, there is there is a place in spiritual direction to maybe talk about about right. about right. those things, which I would highly encourage to the extent that you can find a good right. spiritual director to ha- be able to have that conversation right. about because because there could be mitigating circumstances that would make that would that would be something that needs to be addressed on a spiritual level, but when you're sitting in a confessional line, you know it just from a purely practical standpoint, that makes sense. But from a humility standpoint to not defend yourself and just say, this is what That's I did. That's the hardest thing to do. Actually, right. That's the hardest way to go to confession right. for me. No, it is because you always want to say, well, yeah, but you know, I know it's wrong and I did it and, and I'm, but this, I mean, that is natural. So I think for all of us as parents, we, we need to really take seriously the confessional. That's about as good as it gets for us. And remember when our kids, when we're dealing with them on things that they have done that have offended us as, as parents or offended one of their siblings or whatever, that we remember that it's important for them to, 
to do that. But the struggle that they're going through is real. Yeah. You know, and I think yeah. to be compassionate yeah. to the extent that you're not demanding, because ultimately, and you have to measure this. We talk we talk about the fact that as a body, you have to watch their body language. Yep. Every parent out there who's had a kid for any length of period of time or a brother that's had other siblings has seen a person that says the words they're supposed to say, and and you know without a doubt they don't mean that hardest stone. <laughs> they don't have any. You cannot let a child get away with that. Yeah, you can't. You have to read that yeah. and say, "Look." But see, this is a great teaching point because, again, to your body soul compile. You're 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 meant to be together. Your body has a hard time. That's why you know if they're if you're not a good liar like me, <laughs> you know you can say one thing. And people know almost immediately you're not telling the truth. I mean, that is because we're a body soul composite. Right. Why do we blush? You know what? I mean, it's because we not want to make eye contact. Uh, yeah. Why do you not want to make eye, eye contact? All those type of things are things that we need to be able to tell our children or at least point out to our children. The reason you're shaking <laughs> as you're dealing with this is because your body want you, you want to let it go but there's a force fighting against you. You know, read when they get older, read Romans seven and Roman eight together, you know, you know, I, I do that, which I, yes, yes. you know, I mean, th- there is that tension that, that the list, but with the help of God's grace, we, um, we have to do, um, we have to teach them. So I think it's, I think from, from a holiness standpoint, if we're going to empty ourselves, we have to learn that we have to get rid of, the sins. We have to recognize that sins typically are habitual. It is it is something that happens over and over. Right. Thank God Jesus says to Peter, Peter says, How many times should I forgive right. somebody? And seven times? Right. And and Jesus responds with seventy times seven, which doesn't mean four hundred and ninety times we're keeping notches. He recognizes that there are there are habitual sins. Because he's walked on this planet, been one of us, and he's God. All he's looking for is all that we should be looking for, which is what? The turn around and do it. And we got to recognize it just because we turn around and say, I don't want to sin anymore. I still need God's help with his grace, which can help me to do that. But if I fall again, we cannot get into the, well, he he shouldn't forgive me now because I've just done it again. When you listen to that inter- interchange between St. Peter and, and Jesus, what I hear is Jesus saying, I, all I need to see from you is this turning around. Mm-hmm. That's what I need to see. Mm-hmm. And we can say, go and sin no more. Mm-hmm. But, but that's the main focus. And so as parents, I think that's something that we do. Because I've always tried, you know, I've found personally that there's times when I punish or have consequences or do whatever that if I really look at it, I'm doing it because of me, because it's more comfortable for me, because it's yeah. something, you know, that they can go hand in hand, but that should never be the primary motive. The, the, because kids will pick it up and, and, and that it's you doing that. I think that it's important for us to tell them this is why we're, this is why we're doing what we're doing. We want you to recognize what you've done, and then turn around and come back. To be what? United with us. To be united with God. What is holiness? Union with God. What, how does it play out? Un, union with those around us that's in a good relationship. The letting go of ourselves for the sake of the other. That's why Jesus said, "What you know, the greatest friend is what? One who lays down his life for his friends. Um, that's it. Anyway, so those are all, I think, really important points. But use confession and situations in your family to point out this truth. The truth is there are things that we hold on to that get in the way of our relationship with God and get in the relationship with our relationship with brothers and sisters, husband and wife. The only way that that happens is, number one, to admit it. Well, first of all, come to realization, that's my problem. 
<laughs> name it, claim it, go to the person that it offends and say, please forgive me. And the reason we've always done the please forgive me is it puts it in. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, okay, it's off my chest. Now I can go play. I have to hear, forgive me. I forgive you from somebody else. I owe them that because I've offended them. So I need to, I need to sit there and wait for, yes, I forgive you. I've also found that when I talk to my spouse yes. and I put things in terms of, please forgive me, when I use that language rather than I'm sorry language or I apologize, it's a lot harder to go the, well, but it was just this, or I was trying to do that. It just, it kind of, it's another, makes it harder for you to go into rationalization mode. Right. It's it another, seems like it's another it's another protection against pride that can slip in to protect yourself. Yeah, but yeah, and and that's why it's really important if you're doing the example. I think because I mean I'm telling you, even to this day, my kids will say when it's yeah, it still happens where I do something that offends my children. All right, when I do it, they will say it's okay, Dad. And then oh, that's not what I need to hear. <laughs> I asked you, will you please forgive me mm-hmm. to point that out to them? Mm-hmm. Because it, it is it is so critical for us to remember that our forgiveness is something that that is a gift from somebody else. It's not something that we get just because we do something. Yeah. Which is. It's not transactional. It's not. Yes. Yeah, OK. I do this. You do that. It's freely and completely and totally a gift. They don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, we always talk on the other side with the kids. If a brother or sister, you know, we've talked through them, is that one of the ways that you can let go is you've got to let go and say, I forgive you, even though I've been offended. I, I, I will forgive you to let go of that because it, you can hold on to that, too. You, you mean, we've all done that as well. I mean, it's, it's called a grudge or, you know, I mean, you can hold on. Father David, Bishop David used to always tell me, yeah, you can like almost have a lust for that feeling. I'm mad at that person. They did something bad and you can yeah. chew on it and chew yeah. on it and chew on it and just hold on to it and won't let it go. And the only way to let it go is to let it go. <laughs> I mean, to say, I forgive you. I can't let this eat me up. Yeah. Um, but that's how that happens. And with these few minutes left, I was going to also say that along the lines of um, the turning around idea. We all recently we've been also s- saying a lot of. This isn't a we haven't got a perfect formulation of it yet. We need to work on it. But telling the children, you know, right now, you you you're right where God wants you to be. You're just who God loves you how you are, and the reason why, and we love you and we love you how you are too. We, we, we think that you're wonderful children. But the reason why mom and pa are, are on you about, you maybe feel like we're all you, you know, on you about this and that and right. disciplining you and proving you is because you're not, you're not always going to be right. this, this age or you're not always going to be at this point in time. You're going to be older and adult and you're going to need to be able to, 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 going to need to be there to take care of other people and to love love God kind of on on your own or with your with your own self. And we've got to help you right. I've heard help the, you get I've heard there. Saying along the lines of which is true. And anybody that I mean just think about how you deal with your with your with your children or how if you've ever had a played a sport or learned to, how to play the piano or I mean just anything where somebody's worked with you. There is a love that says I love you where you are. But then there's a love that says, okay, I do love you where you are, but I love you enough to not allow you to stay where you are. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's where God is. God, I mean, you've got to, that's again, that's, there's a little bit of a tension there. I, I love you exactly the way you are, but there's something that, that needs to change or grow. And, and I need, because of who I am as a parent, because of who I am as God, I need to put you in situations, guide you through situations so that you grow and become what, you're fully meant to you're be. You're not perfected yet. You're, you're not, not holy. perfected, right? And that's what the holiness 
that's holiness is, is to strive towards that perfection that God wants, which always means, I mean, on this side of the grave, (laughs) it's always a work in progress. And we can go up and down and backwards and forwards, but we're always moving. I mean, that's the, I mean, the, we're moving either towards union with God or away from union with God. In any- yeah, I, I read in uh, C.S. Lewis in the Screw Tape Letters. He talks about how humans don't like to understand. It's the it's the demons talking right. about. They don't like to understand that that uh, it's undul- the spiritual life is undulation. That there's there's these highs and there's these lows. There's this forward movement and then there's this regressive right. movement as you generally grow right. in holiness and. Right. And they they despair over those low moments. They despair over that regressive movement, and you want to keep them in that despair mode. Absolutely, and I think that's it. If you just want to leave them where they are, and or think that they don't have to do anything. Yeah. So, so holiness. Just remember union with God. Go to mass, work on confession, and um, anyway, I know we're drawn to a close. So, always remember, pray. Uh, Prepare with a purpose and prepare for God to amaze you, and He will. So, anyway, hopefully, the next week, maybe uh, Stephanie will be there. I don't know, but pray for her. We'll be praying for you. God bless. Thank you for listening to this local production of Red Sea Catholic Radio. Tune in next week at the same time to hear Trey and Stephanie Cashin share more on the mystery of parenthood. 